0: Hello and welcome to the Hull York Medical School podcast. Today we're going to talk about communication skills, why it's important and what we learn here at the Holyoke Medical School. So I'd like to introduce myself. I'm Dom, I'm one of the fourth year medical students at um, the Hull York Medical School, um, Hull based. Um, if we go around.
1: Yeah, I'm Hayley Mason. I'm one of the simulated patients that are used at Hull York Medical School.
2: Um, I'm Eka and I'm also, I'm a second year medical student at Hull York Medical School. And I'm Dr. Anna Hammond, I'm
3: Deputy Programme Director of the
2: MBBBS,
3: but I'm also Director of Communication Skills Teaching.
0: Brilliant. so nice to meet you all. Um, So to start off with, we're just going to have a little chat about the importance of why it's important to communicate effectively as a doctor and what we learn here at Holyoke Medical School. So why do we feel it's important and effective to be able to communicate well?
1: I think I'm quite passionate about communication on the whole. Um, But I think in terms of patients, communication is really important because I think patients are in a vulnerable place. Um, And I think communication is important to build trust with a patient um, so that they can hear information. uh, But also for that rapport building, I think is, is paramount, really
2: like you said for you know it's very important to be able to build a rapport with the patient because as a doctor you then want to be able to diagnose them properly and you can only do that if they feel comfortable enough to speak to you and open up to you um, which is definitely one of the main reasons why communication is very important mm-hmm. um, and also i think something i've noticed while i was on placement it's extremely important to be able to speak to your colleagues and peers and that's again another place where those communication skills are really important.
3: Yes, I agree absolutely with all of that. And I think that the more information that you gather from a patient, the better your diagnoses. And I think it's when um, times become difficult out in the NHS as a doctor, that your communication skills are absolutely key to helping you navigate complex situations with patients, but also with colleagues when it's busy. So yeah, I agree, absolutely.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think especially with being on placement as well, you do see it is very, very busy, especially at the moment being winter as well. Um, And having those communication skills locked in is really useful and it speeds up the process as well for you and for the patient as well, which improves that doctor-patient relationship, which is really good. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in terms of, um, and this might be one for you, um, Dr. Hammond, um, in terms of your experience, um, in terms of communication, how would you feel it's, uh, that the Holyoke Medical School really prepares us for going into a role of a doctor? Yes,
3: yeah, so I think that our course is really unique because our students have so many sessions through year one and year two regularly with the same tutor. And all our tutors are at, uh, um, actual practicing clinicians and then working with simulated patients like Haley. Developing a toolkit of communication communication skills to use in different situations before then going out onto full-time placement. And it always is lovely for me to hear from clinicians out there when they say that Hull York Medical School graduates are particularly good communicators. And in fact, recently I was at a conference and an ex him student came up to me and said it wasn't when he was here. He appreciated how important it was, but it's been since he qualified that he's so grateful for training here. So, yeah,
0: yeah definitely. And I think it is well known as well that Holyoke Medical School graduates do have really good clinical um, communication and also clinical skills. Um, but yeah, communicating well is part of what we do here, isn't it?
1: I think it's funny because when you talk about communication skills I think a lot of people talk about how, how you say things, what you say um, but I think being a simulated patient I think the non-verbal communication is, is really important as well so your eye contact, your nodding, your active listening so all of that um, as a whole I think um, is, is
3: crucial really.
0: Yeah, no, I, agree. I agree. Yeah,
3: and I think you learn what is effective communication, because in a sh- session somebody might say to you, "Aker, wow, you're an amazing communicator, and you would think, oh, fantastic. But it's only when you know what it is that you're doing, so that you learn to give each other specific, descriptive, non-judgmental feedback that you know what the tools are to use effectively.
2: Definitely. And I think it's only after I've come to Hull York Medical School that I've actually realized the importance of communication. Mm-hmm. Um, because we all just think, oh, medicine is about prescribing mm-hmm. or treating the patient. But it's so much more. And once you again build that rapport with the patient, you you can effectively treat them really well. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah. And you're lucky.
3: When I trained, I had one communication skills session in my entire medical school. And I only started to learn to communicate when I graduated. So it's great that you have these five years developing your skills before you very quickly become F1 doctors.
0: No, definitely. And um, in terms of our clinical skills sessions, so we start right from first year, don't we? And we have it weekly. Um, Well, we have clinical skills twice weekly, don't we? Um, Which obviously communication comes under. So, um, in terms of first year stuff, now you your second year on you. So, would you be able to tell us a bit about first year clinical skills?
2: Yes, um, for me personally, I think they're the best sessions in the year. Um, I love them very much, and we get to interact with patients, uh, simulated patients, um, like you. We're Haley. not too scary, then. Are no, we? you're very, very lovely, <laughs> and it's a great session because you get to have a mock co- consultation with SPs and they respond to you as if they were real patients um, and your group your group members or your friends in the other room and your tutor can actually see you speak to them and do that consultation um, because there's a live video link. So they can basically um, sit there, observe you and actually give feedback to you when you're done with, the, with this consultation. It's not as scary as it sounds really, um, but it is, a nice way for me to understand where I can improve and also what my strengths are mm. um, which is which is lovely. I think what,
1: what's great is when your peers observe you and give you feedback because it's not just learning for, for you that's consulting with a simulated patient but it's it's learning for, for your peers at the same time and I find that really quite fascinating that when they do give you that descriptive specific non-judgmental feedback um, just how much you all learn at the same time
3: definitely yeah and i think in year one um very much the focus at the beginning is around learning the communication skills but also learning to give each other feedback which is about behavior not personality and specific descriptive non-judgmental and we talk about holding up a mirror so if i was to describe to you i noticed and tell you what i noticed I wouldn't say to you it was good or bad, you would then reflect. So it's the learner, the person doing the communication skills, who does the reflection.
0: I think what you were saying then about specific, descriptive and non-judgmental feedback, that is um, in a way drummed into us from right at the start, isn't it? And we do this all the time, we do this with the simulated patients, Um, we do this with our tutors as well, which is really good, because you learn from other people don't you? So you take um, the good bits and you take the bits that you might want to improve on as well and that makes us all better.
3: Yeah, and I think we're all learning all the time. I've been here since the beginning of HIMS, and I'm still learning. I've been a doctor for 30 years and I'm still learning. Sometimes I hear phrases from students and I think, well, oh, I'm going to try that with my patients. So we're all reflecting, aren't we, and improving as we go on our journey as clinicians.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, so our clinical skills sessions in phase one, which that's year one and two, Um, are shaped to that week's learning outcomes, aren't they? So we have a PBL, problem-based learning session, um, we have placement as well, and we have our clinical skills. So in terms of our clinical skills, we make sure that the communication sessions are relevant, don't we? Now, does that um, mean that specifically we have every week a specific topics to do, or do we adapt the learning outcomes for that?
3: That's a really good question. So during year one, it's about learning specific communication skills to then um, put together seamlessly and fluidly. So open questions, closed questions, summarizing what a patient tells you to check understanding. But by year two, it moves on a bit more to something that we called clinical reasoning. And so clinical reasoning for a student would be the ability to gather information Um, with purpose from the patient, to try and work out the cause of the patient's symptoms. So if you were, say, doing a block on cardiovascular health, you might then discuss chest pain in patients who presented with chest pain. But it's not about remembering a list of questions, it's about encouraging a patient to speak and tell you their story. Because we know if you ask a patient a question and leave them to talk and don't interrupt them, almost everybody finishes before a minute and a half and you get loads of really rich information that helps you as the doctor or the student try and work out the cause for the symptoms.
0: No, definitely. I think it's important what you said then as well. You want to leave it open at the start, don't you? And then narrow down. um, And when you go on to do clinical placements and sort of year two as well, you look at those real red flags that you want to make sure you exclude and those diagnoses that can be really harmful. Um, I think that's really key to being a good doctor.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, I was going to say, it's a bit like being a detective, it's exciting yeah, isn't it, yeah. learning to work out what goes on with patients.
2: Um, I think we've just been having a lot of sessions on clinical reasoning um, and again I absolutely love them because as you said we're the detectives mm-hmm. and we're constantly um, trying to ask questions that can lead us to a diagnosis again. and with medicine it's so broad it sometimes get a, gets a bit difficult to figure out what exactly you need to ask to be able to reach that end point um, so these sessions are really good because they you know get your your brain thinking and um, it's it's a great experience to be able to do that with an sp mm. so. and
1: it's because i did one of these sessions last week mm. and um, and i describe it as being a detective and when we're in role neutral, you're all having a discussion around us and and I'm listening to bits of discussion. Um, And I find it actually quite exciting how you are narrowing down your different systems. I mean, I don't know all the technical terms, Mm -hmm. um, but all of your systems. And then when you come back into the the role play, um, you're stopping and starting and trying to get all the information. And I think that's great how... Um, Hull York Medical School use simulated patients in that we're there to be really realistic we're there to support and encourage you as students Um, but using us that way in that stop and start when you're trying to figure out what's happening we're just a a tool for for you to actually um, pick up um, and just use again Um, and I think that's the the main importance of a simulated patient how we um support you in your learning and it's and it's funny because you're second year and I've seen students from first year to fifth year and it's lovely and amazing to see how you develop
3: all these skills. Yeah and that's really interesting what Haley has just said because we haven't chatted much about simulated patients but they're people it's not about their performance as an actor mm-hmm. it's about being able to really naturalistically um be a person and present information in the same way as a person would and that's why we need simulated patients of all ages because of course in a session if you had a 20 year old man with chest pain you'd be thinking very differently than if it was a 70 year old and we're always trying aren't we Hayley to recruit more SPs and more diverse SPs um, to make it more realistic. Yeah,
0: brilliant. And we mentioned before, um, in first year and second year, it's very communication based second year more going into clinical reasoning. Um, How does that change going through to year three, four and five? So we have the communication masterclasses, don't we, which are based on communication stuff. But why does that make us different doing that to other medical schools?
3: Yeah, so when you've talked about communication masterclasses, they're where in years three and four, students are asked to come to a session having identified challenges that they've encountered on placement. So it might be a patient who wanted you to tell them a result and you weren't able to or it might be a patient who was really talkative and you didn't know how to direct them in a consultation. And so students bring these challenges to sessions and Hayley's a simulated patient in masterclasses. And during those masterclasses, students have the chance to role play these challenges. So Haley is so talented that she can improvise a scenario to give you the opportunity as a student to practice it, to develop strategies because you can't be prepared for everything, but you can have a toolbox of skills that you can use and apply to different challenges that you come across. So those sessions are very student led. We don't know what challenges students will bring, but whatever they are, you have an opportunity to practice them.
0: No, Definitely, I've taken part in those sessions myself and I found them really useful. Um, I just think there are times on placement, especially when you're out in the hospitals and on the wards, When you do come across challenges with communication, um, whether that's communicating with them, whether that's communicating with other doctors as well, um, there's always going to be barriers there, but I do think these sessions really do help. And that's what makes us stand out really with having that extra learning, which is really good.
3: Yeah, and the year three, we're back doing them face-to-face after COVID, but the year four sessions we've kept online because of course we've talked about communication face-to-face, But also as doctors, we have to be able to communicate remotely with patients. So by telephone or by video. And that's a slightly different set of skills, isn't
0: it? Yeah, I think especially in today's world, a lot more is done video via video link, isn't it? Or on the phone. And I think it's different, especially when you're um, sat next to a patient, you can get a lot more from them. So having those skills via video or even on the phone, you have to tune them skills, don't you, to be able to get it what you wouldn't get on face value. And I think that's something that in our first year, um, when I started in 2020, um, which is obviously the year of coronavirus, I think that was really good to have that because that might have been something that's been adapted to the world that we in, living in at the moment.
3: Yeah, it definitely... So remote consultations were becoming a thing, but actually COVID pushed that forward, didn't it? Mm. And we all had to develop our skills quickly Mm. with the arrival of the pandemic. Yeah, because
1: they are so different. So when you are face-to-face, you're able to read the body language and read um, facial expressions. So they are a a different set of skills. So it's great that there's still a mix of online learning Um, consultations and face-to-face. So it's good that they do that.
0: No, Brilliant. Um, So part of our communication skills, especially in year two, are clinical reasoning. So um, Dr. Hammond, clinical reasoning, what is it?
3: So clinical reasoning is about gathering information from a patient to try and work out the cause of the symptoms in that particular patient. And so for students, it's mixed to be able to gather information using your communication skills and then we're working and learning around epidemiology. So common causes for symptoms in patients of different ages and then thinking about how different disease types present. So if you get an infection, you become unwell over a few hours. If you have a stroke or a heart attack that comes on very quickly If you develop cancer, your symptoms start more slowly and you gradually get worse. And so all of those um, things students have to know about and tie together to be able to work out what's going on for students. And only over the last 10, 15 years has clinical reasoning been explicitly taught in undergraduate medical school curricula. And um, at HIMS, we co-founded a national organization called CREM, and that's now got representation from 43 medical schools. And there's now a consensus statement about what and how to teach clinical reasoning. So HIMS has been at the forefront of that. But, yeah, it's exciting to teach. It's helped me develop my clinical reasoning, and it's brilliant to watch students develop their thinking about how to work
2: out what's causing patient symptoms.
0: Brilliant. Aika, how are you finding clinical
2: reasoning at the moment? I'm honestly, I'm loving it. And I, what you mentioned about being able to um, be, do that reasoning properly, you need to have background information. So you need to kind of be aware of the common diseases or symptoms and stuff like that, which I feel Hull York Medical School teaches us very well. And because PBL skills placement, they're all aligned, you know, in the same week. Um, with each other, we end up getting to those diagnoses quite quick, um, because everything's linked which is which is lovely. Yeah.
0: Good, good. Um in terms of so we said before about the communication master classes. In year five we obviously have our final exams. How do the communication master classes help us prepare for those final national exams so what we cover is um, obviously it's a spiralled curriculum we're always developing our skills but specifically in terms of our communication classes how is that going to prepare us for f1 f2 years
3: yeah so that's a really good question and it is spiral and of course the um, skills you learn in year one you build on as you go through but your year five masterclass there are some um, specific exemplar scenarios, and I think there are around seven. So the SPs come to the sessions prepared to simulate all those roles. And if, as a Year 5 student, you're able to do all of those different roles, you will have the skills to be able to be an F1. So what's an example of a scenario? Can you remember from Year 5 Masterclass, Haley? So one of
1: them might be to do with conflict with a um, colleague or um, a conversation with a consultant.
3: Yeah. I know yeah. that's
1: definitely there. Um, so I guess the skills in how to speak to um, consultants or um, higher level doctors um, and the, just the phrases that you could perhaps use. Because sometimes I think a lot of students find that a difficult predicament mm-hmm. to be in. Um, so that's practiced quite a lot. Yes, so that's how
3: to um, give information succinctly and briefly to a senior. There's a scenario about apologising if you make a mistake. Yes. Duty of candor. So, you know, I've made mistakes as clinicians, we are human. And what's really important is when you make a mistake, to be honest, apologise for that um, to patients or their relatives. So they're quite challenging, the scenarios for year five. But that's because we want students to go out into F1 prepared for challenges that they might encounter. Yeah. And it's it's
1: done in such a way, it's in a supportive way. Mm-hmm. So you might come with um challenges that you've had. Um and I'm saying this but I know you've already done some master classes, haven't you? But the um at the end of those master classes, students go away feeling relieved, feeling um glad that they have practised, and, and some people actually when you see them afterwards, they've come up against um, one of those scenarios later on, the, the week after, um, so it's really useful to
0: practice. It's about being prepared as well and it's better to get things wrong in those sessions than in the real thing, Definitely. on the wards, yes. because you're here to learn here and yes we are on the wards too but it's a little bit better when you've got that yeah. nicer learning atmosphere and environment, isn't it, around you and not with a patient. Yeah.
1: And I think when you're seeing your peers do it as well, um, I mean, I've said that with the, the other um, the scenarios that you do in class, um, but it's learning for for you all at the same time. It's not just for the person that's doing the scenario. Um, it's, it's group
0: Definitely. learning. Yes. Definitely. And I was going to say as well, so we said a lot about communication with patients, but before we talked about relatives as well, and we do have communication skills, classes don't we sessions on relatives Mm -hmm. um so uh, and that's important isn't it because as doctors you are going to be talking to relatives Mm -hmm. of of family dr hammond i've got a question for you so um from clinical practice what feedback do you get about holyort medical school students and their communication skills
3: yeah, that's really interesting. So I said at the beginning that I met the, um, him, the Hull York Medical School student themselves, who's now a doctor who reflected, but I do have consultants and GPs who frequently say that actually, particularly at the junior doctor stage, Hull York Medical School graduates have more developed communication skills. And that's, I think, testament to the fact that our curriculum has lots of sessions, that we spend a lot of time teaching students to reflect on their communication, communication, Give each other feedback. We have this fantastic body of highly trained simulated patients who work with us and are absolutely student-centered. So they don't come in to act, they come in to be a simulated patient to help students develop.
1: And I'd actually say in all of the work that I do as an actor, I think this type of work at the medical school here is really rewarding. And I think, as I mentioned, seeing your skills develop and being there to actually um, advise, to to I mean, I've said it, encourage, but it is really about encouraging your skills um,
3: in in a realistic way. And for Haley and me, how privileged are we? If you think of all the students that we've helped develop their communication skills, who've become doctors, and all the patients that those doctors have seen, yeah, it's huge. It isn't is. It? It's
1: amazing. It's amazing. It's a it's a privilege. Yeah. I interrupted you, Aika. what were you going no, to say? No, I
2: was just saying that I can, we, we understand how important that interaction with an SP is during our clinical skill sessions because if you look at most of us in year one and where we are now, we can see that progression. Mm-hmm. And that's simply because we've had those weekly clinical skill sessions and then we've had the opportunity very early on from the third week of first year to go on placement and actually speak to people and patients and use those skills that we've learned in, in skills sessions. So I'm, we, we are very lucky to have um, SPs <laughs> who come and give their time to help us learn. So, yeah.
0: I think that's one of the good things as well about the Holyoke Medical School is the fact we have really early placements, isn't it? And we were able to use them communication skills from the offset. Um, I know from my own placement, so last year and this year, that I do use these communication skills all the time, um, not only with patients, but with doctors, with relatives. And it's being able to adapt to the situation. So I've had patients before and there's been language barriers, there's been um, communication barriers through disability. And I do think Holyoke Medical School really equips you well to be able to deal with um, something that might put you outside of your comfort zone or to make sure at the end of the day, we're here to benefit our patients, aren't we? So, yeah.
3: Yeah, and I think an example of a session is we have a session in, I can't remember if it's year one or year two, where we have a triadic consultation. So that's where you're there and a husband and wife come, or you might have a, um, a parent and a teenager or um, partners come in and they both want, the patient wants to tell you something and the partner or the spouse or the um, parent or the child and actually there's real skill to managing consultations with two people and you have the opportunity to practice that. Yeah,
2: yeah. I remember that particular session. It was a, a few months, a week, a few weeks ago. Yeah, I, think. I, I did a session in York actually, <laughs> and it was so tricky. But then, when you finish the consultation, the feedback that you get from your tutor, from your peers, it just makes you that more, much more comfortable in the future when you may again inter- interact with you know patients like that. So it's a lovely way to learn, um, and yeah. Um,
3: yeah, because often if it's two people that come, the person who's come is anxious and worried yeah. and they want to butt in and they want to be heard. But if you're able to signpost, I'll come to you in a minute. Absolutely. Mm. I want to hear what you have to yes. say. It makes it easier.
1: I think it's making each of the, the, pe- the each person in front of you feel valued. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I played the, the, the parent of, in oh. that situation, <laughs> um, a quite talkative patient um, parent. I remember that one.
0: <laughs> Um, and I think it's important as well because I've just done my paediatric child's health block and I do think it's important because you will mostly always unless that child's a bit older have the parents in Mm. so it's how do you talk to them differently of what you would talk to the child and obviously you want to include that child not every depends how old they are but everyone want to talk yeah so it's being able to, to Talk whilst they can understand what you're saying without feel like you're talking about them. So it's being able to sort of judge that. And I do think we do do that from the offset, which is really good. Um, and having that practice, like you're saying, with the simulated patients and the, the groups of people. So thank you very much for listening to this edition of Communication Skills Podcast. Um, I'd like to thank um, Dr. Hammond, Aker and Haley. I hope you've all enjoyed yourselves.
1: Yeah, it's been really good.
0: Um, and thank you very much for listening. Um, if you'd like to listen to more podcasts, please visit the Hollywood Medical School website.